This is People Every Day. Coming up, Ben Platt of Dear Evan Hansen fame opens up about his life and using music to help people struggling with multiple sclerosis. Plus, Hilaria Baldwin's baby surprise and Paris Hilton's troubling Letterman interview. It's March 2nd. This is People Every Day, presented by Macy's. I'm your host, Janine Rubenstein, and it is Tuesday. Also, Read Across America Day, so get reading. And it's Dr. Seuss's birthday, and that's tricky. Now, when it comes to Dr. Seuss, there's a ton of news surrounding the complicated history of his books, uh, You know, a number of which included racist and insensitive images. Um, but Dr. Seuss Enterprises has announced that they are ceasing the sales of those books, like To Think That I Saw on Mulberry Street and If I Ran the Zoo, because the company says, quote, they portray people in ways that are hurtful and wrong. And I say it's about time and and good for them. So uh, looking forward to not having to see those books on stands anywhere anytime soon. Um, For Top Stories today, I am joined by Managing Director of People Digital, Charlotte Triggs, and she is going to help me dig into all that's buzzing out there. How are you doing, Charlotte? Good, Janine. Thanks for having me. So let's just get into it. The Baldwins have a new bundle of joy, and this is a surprise for multiple, multiple reasons. Let, let, take me through a couple of reasons why you know fans are so shocked over this. All right. Well, so she just had a baby herself six months ago. In September, they welcomed a boy named, um, he goes by Adu for Eduardo. Um, and lo and behold, here's another newborn. And it's only been six months, which obviously I think people- Six months. Yeah, six months later. And here's a new little baby girl named Lucia. Um, um, fans were going crazy for the first day, trying to like piece together. Wait, how did this happen? Was this surrogacy? Was it an adoption? What was this? Yeah. Um, we've confirmed with the source that they did use a surrogate. Um, and lo and behold, their family is growing quite rapidly. <laughs> it's been an action. Very rapidly. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, you know, there's been pandemic babies, but to have two right. back-to-back pandemic babies. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It's like, you know, the pandemic has given a lot of people the opportunity to just you know, sit at home with their Zoom on from the neck up and nobody knows what's going on down below, right? So you can have suddenly like be giving birth and, and no, none of your friends will even know. But um, yeah, That's this is true. This We've got a couple of coworkers that did that. Exactly. Like, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Emily had a baby. I know. Oh my gosh. So funny. So when it comes to uh, just how crazy this year has been for them, um, this kind of fits right in with with a lot of the things that have had people talking, right, when it comes to her 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 controversy, of course, over what was going on with her identity and 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 how she expresses herself as, you know, Spanish, but not and and all of that. Would you say that this is uh, that this helps in that regard in terms of her engagement with with you know the public with with her fans? Well, she seems like she's had a um, some trouble um, reconciling the fact that people get to kind of weigh in on her life. Like she her yeah. platform of choice is Instagram. She lo- she's been you know hugely popular on Instagram, as you recall, like you know famous for her crazy yoga poses, doing yoga like in her underwear, doing yoga with the baby doing yoga on top of the stove, which to me is a little, makes me nervous, but, um, you know what I mean? Like, and she's always (laughs) had a lot of fun with it. And it's only been recently, especially over that Christmas break that everybody was sitting at home, not doing a whole lot and really having fun untangling her backstory. 
that people kind of started like turning on her and lashing out at her and that it wasn't really like a fun space anymore. It wasn't like she had control mm. over her narrative anymore. So you see her turning off the comments. Like when she announced the um, news that they were welcome, that they'd welcomed a baby, she didn't put the comments on because she doesn't want to hear it. Yeah. She doesn't want that negative feedback from people. I think she just wants to share the joyful news and be able to move on with her day. Of course, the internet's not so easy like that. So as you may have noticed, they went over to Alex's Instagram and started saying, yeah. like, asking all their questions, all their rather aggressive questions over there. And he, as you know, doesn't take things sitting down. So he was quite pissed about that. And all of this is, of course, coming on the heels of very sad news for the family that she suffered multiple miscarriages in, in trying to expand their family. Uh, is that because initially when I saw this news, I was like, oh, this is great. You know, on the heels of all of that, uh, you know, they say rainbow baby. Mm -hmm. She had two rainbow babies. It yeah, seems. absolutely. I mean, so in 2019, she had two miscarriages. She knew the second time around that she had been expecting a girl. And um, we know that it was very important to her. She really wanted to um, give Carmen a sister. That was something that really meant a lot to her. And so it was really just very, very sad. You know what I mean? And so obviously this kind of does make a little bit of sense that they would have begun exploring some options, yeah. think, worrying that perhaps she wasn't um, going to, you know, that it would either be taxing on her or that she wasn't going to be able to carry um, a baby to term again and yeah. um, that they would have explored options such as surrogacy. So Charlotte, let's, let's move on to um, some news out of Paris Hilton's new podcast. Of course, she has been very open about her life, um, her history, her past recently, and even more so on this new podcast of hers. But she called into question an interview she had with David Letterman right after she had gotten released from jail. It's, it's one of those things where you're watching it with 2021 eyes and you are kind of just seeing all of the cringeworthy moments and, and issues that took place. And, and it's being tied to, at least on her podcast, um, Britney. It's being tied to what that entire uh, documentary, uh, the Free Britney movement has been talking about, about um, just all the scrutiny, the media scrutiny that she was under. Yeah, how these young women kind of, were treated, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Paris is kind of showing an example of how it took place in her case. So let's, let's listen really quickly to that interview that happened with Letterman way back when. Have your friends treated you differently since you've been out of the slammer? <laughs> People think that I was really strong that I went through it. So. God, it was just ugly, wasn't it? Did you have you have you made? Uh... But I've moved on with my life, so I don't really want to talk about it yeah, anymore. But, I know. <laughs> So you can hear there that uh, he really went in on um, her her prison sentence right. and the time that she spent there. And this is in 2007 that this interview took place. And uh, I, I just want to know, like, what what are your thoughts on you know excavating these interviews and 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 looking at them um, from the purview that we have now? I mean, okay, so having been here at people back in 2007, when, you know, this whole meet, there was a, it was a different landscape, a different climate, um, fierce competition for this kind of, you know, information. The first interviews, people got the first interview with Paris actually when she, um, left prison and she went into detail about her experience. I remember reading that transcript and, um, seeing the, care that our former editor-in-chief Jess Cagle took in asking questions with her very respectful and restrained. And in, in many cases, there's lots of stuff that people really wanted to know that 
might be a rude question. You wouldn't ask your friend who just got out of jail, something like that, but you felt like you could because these people were public figures. So the Letterman stuff, there's so many of his interviews being resurfaced again now. And now that people have found that he had a history of asking some tough questions, more and more and more interviews are coming up. He was uh, obviously a tough interviewer. He was in it for what the news was going to be that he'd be able to generate out of it, right? And he was also not known for being super warm and cuddly. Like he was had a little bit of a mean streak and that was well known. Like, so I just think like part of it is at the time, anybody, any publicist who was booking their client on Letterman knew what they were booking them for. It's very clear that he had a history of not sticking to whatever agreed upon conditions there might've been going into the interview. She thought she was going on there to promote her perfume right after getting out of jail. I think that that, I'm not saying that that was necessarily naive, but somebody might've prepped her that that wasn't going to be the extent of the questions that she received. And I actually thought that her interview that she, because it goes on and on and on, she handled herself very well. When it came to him though, when she said multiple times, can we please move on? Can we please move on? Can we stop? And he didn't. I think at least for me, that's when it, it it's like, ah, you know, Come on, just in listening to it. But, but she 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 talked about, I guess, what her experience was like in that moment. So let's listen to what Paris had to say on uh, This Is Paris, her podcast. It was like he was just purposely trying to humiliate me. And during commercial breaks, I would look at him. I'm like, please stop doing this. Like, you promised me you wouldn't talk about this. Oh. And that's the only reason I agreed to come on the show. Like, please don't bring it up again. He's like, OK. And then again, and it's just like the whole audience. He's getting people to laugh. And it was just it was just very cruel and very mean. Wow. Um, yeah. So, uh, I mean, to hear that there were commercial breaks and that they had the chance that they had the opportunity to discuss yeah. this in commercial breaks because the clip that everybody sees appears to be one contiguous interview and it feels like how could they interrupt? The publicist can't walk on stage and drag her off. You know what I mean? Like we've all been in interviews where we've maybe asked something that they don't like and somebody can just very well hang up the phone or like the publicist will interrupt. You know what I mean? That doesn't, it's not the format that's conducive to that. But it sounds like she did have the opportunity to um, express herself and he super duper didn't That's listen. Crazy. Well, I mean, it, it, it's good she, she's opening up now. And and I I mean, I, li- I like knowing that our history um, was a, a little better than that with, with her in these moments. Um, but also just that we're at a place now to where. Even celebrities, they're not just these, you know, puppets that are up there to 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 do and say and be manipulated. Things have gotten better and 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 nicer, and I think that's for good reason. Uh, so, I mean, I'm, I'm happy that she's speaking out about it, and and we're able to kind of just do another gut check on on you know how we engage on these yeah. things. And I just want to add, it's like you know, people are now realizing how inappropriate this might have been because Paris had like very privately gone through this traumatic experience having been in this boarding school where they were physically abusive to her and without knowing that you know at the time like maybe she seemed like a fun punching bag um for the media but it is really not so funny when you know what somebody has been through and the same applies to many of these other women that's so true yeah thanks so much for getting into this with me charlotte thank you Next up, Ben Platt and his sister-in-law on family, fame, and the healing power of music. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. 
Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Ben Platt is a force. I'd say a musical, theatrical force of good. Uh, He first sang his way into our lives with Broadway hits like The Book of Mormon and films like Pitch Perfect. But he cemented his place in our hearts with his Tony Award-winning portrayal of the title character in Dear Evan Hansen, a role he is now set to reprise for a highly anticipated film adaptation. Today, I have the pleasure of not only chatting with him, but also his sister-in-law, Courtney, an amazing professional dancer and a woman who was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis nine years ago. The two have teamed up for MS in Harmony, a music therapy program for those struggling with the disease, which causes impaired mobility. Ben, Courtney, thanks so much for being here. And, and Courtney, you've struggled with MS for years now. What would you say is the impetus for launching MS in Harmony right now? I mean, I think now more than ever, there's such an emphasis on health and wellness. And I, I feel like... Um, MS and Harmony is really an incredible um, opportunity to be able to connect your body and your mind um, and to help people, um, MS patients, you know, uh, physically, mentally, emotionally. It's just been such a, uh, an incredible opportunity to get to experience these modules and, you know, let music uh, guide me um, and using it as such a great tool for disease management. Um, and so, I mean, there's so much, so many resources and, and research um, has happened since I, I was diagnosed. So um, this has really been an incredible, incredible opportunity for sure. And, and Courtney, you are an amazing dancer. Uh, you have credits just across the board. Glee, uh, Grease Live. Uh, one of my favorites, Hit the Floor. I don't know if that's a sleeper, but I was like a big Hit the Floor fan. <laughs> and, and, and so you have been able to do all of that in the midst, in the midst of, of, of battling this disease. What has it taken for you to just put your body through all of that strenuous work? Well, when I was first diagnosed with MS, the first thing I asked my doctor was, how is this going to affect my dancing? And she said, the best for you to do is to um, keep moving um, and keep dancing. And uh, Hit the Floor story, actually, we were shooting an episode um, that was supposed to take place in Boston. Basically, we were all, the heat really exacerbates MS symptoms. And I was very open and honest about um, my MS, uh, the, the, the cast, the crew, everyone was so incredibly supportive. And um, we were supposed to come out of the back of a truck and it was extremely hot. We had one of the, they, they had one of the PAs there with like a cold towel on the back of my neck after every shoot, always checking in to see if I was good. Okay. You know, um, I, I'm incredibly blessed. I think a lot of people 
don't want to share their diagnosis because they are afraid of what people may say, what, you know, the discrimination, but I, I, I kind of felt like if you really care about that, then I don't want to work with you anyway. How's that? Nice. Nice. And then of course you guys have, you've known about this and you've been living this, this is, this is your family, but how did you get brought into the MS and harmony component? Well, I think it was sort of a no-brainer because of this twofold thing of, on the one hand, obviously, I want to support Courtney and, you know, watching her live with this disease with such kind of grace and strength and honesty and transparency and is, is incredibly inspiring. And I think you can feel as like a, a loved one nearby or as a, a, someone who's experienced it secondhand, you can feel um, like you don't really have a way into that experience or that you can't re- relate to, to what someone's going through or that they, they need to, to a certain extent, be experiencing it as an ind- independent battle. And I think with this uh, particular therapy, with music therapy, it's something that is so inclusive of loved ones and of caretakers and of everybody who's affected by the disease. Obviously, first and foremost, the people who are battling it themselves. But you know, for me personally, music is an incredibly powerful tool in my life to change my point of view and my emotional state of being. And it can change my mood and, and my concentration and uh, the way that it does for every human being. And so I think you know, the combination of obviously wanting to be uh, supportive of Courtney and then also having it be something that I can so easily kind of connect to and relate to given the the sort of music as a modality for treatment, um, it seemed like a really a, a, a huge no-brainer. Um, and in terms of my own, you know, use for music therapy, I deal with anxiety and, you know, everybody I think has something that music has the power to quell or to quiet or to focus. Um, and so it, it, um, it was a very easy connection and, and the fact that it's going to help people that have MS makes it all more special. More than 2.3 million people uh, live with multiple sclerosis and, and bringing this to the forefront in terms of how music can impact that really kind of blew my mind. So tell me how it works, like if you could break it down for me. Yeah, so yeah, there, there are different modules that we are, uh, we're part of, different lessons on msnharmony.com, which is where all of this is at, that are you know different breathing exercises, singing exercises, movement exercises that all focus on kind of connecting the body and mind and creating harmony, if you will, between the two. So there's like warm-ups and breathing exercises that connect you to your, to your breath. There's um, like mnemonic device songs where if you need to help bring up certain words or remembering certain lists of names or locations, uh, <laughs> you, uh, we put them to tunes. Um, and then Courtney does a bunch of lessons involving the body and movement and dance and pretty cool. I had to sing one. Ooh. I was like, can't we just leave that to me? <laughs> <laughs> Very kind of you. It's very, very kind. But yeah, I wonder if you're a pro singer. No. <laughs> speaking, speaking of the singing and the dancing, uh, and I think I know how you feel about this, Ben, but how are you guys reacting to the fact that Broadway is coming back? I mean, I can't wait. Uh, it's long overdue. I, I have missed so much. As soon as the pandemic started, I came here to LA. I'm usually a New York person, but um, I just, I have missed seeing theater on a regular basis so much, even more so than performing and doing theater. I've missed being in the audience and experiencing it. And I think uh, I'm very hopeful that we're going to enter this kind of renaissance now where people are so hungry for it, for performance in general, but especially for theater, that it's going to have a whole new boom of creativity and new shows. And I'm just very hopeful that it's going to be a whole new era of appreciating something that I think we started to take for granted. Um, and I, I literally counting down the minutes so I can sit <laughs> in an audience and watch a show. That's all I wanted to do. What, what, what's your first one? What's, what's your like, oh, I need to get into the orchestra for this? I mean, I'll probably go back to Wicked as a start, just like as a primer for my like just 30 primer. 
Just 30, 30 seconds. <laughs> um, and then who knows? Any truly anything. I would I would watch like four hours of Shakespeare and, and truly. <laughs> Tell me, tell me, Ben, what has it been like? You've been working during this pandemic. Um, Dear Evan Hansen is coming to the big screen. Uh, what was that process like for you? And, and what was it like to delve back into that character that made everything pop off? Totally. It was definitely a unique experience, like a kind of a once in a lifetime situation. Uh, very challenging in the really good kind of like sink your teeth into it way. We had these layers of obviously COVID was a huge layer and we were one of the first big studio films to go during COVID. So learning about the protocol and getting the up the nose test every single day and just all of that and wearing masks and shields and staying away from like large parts of the crew. And that was definitely a learning uh, curve on getting used to that. And then in addition, it's obviously a very personal, um, very heavy piece. Um, and so to have the experience of creating something on stage and then translating it to film, there's a lot of pressure because of course it's a very special piece to me. And it obviously kind of kicked off everything that, that has happened for me and, I wanted to preserve it in the best way possible. And so I think it was about listening to my instincts and you know remembering all the things that I created on stage and, and allowing those things to kind of come back on kind of autopilot. And then at the same time, making sure to remain spontaneous and challenge those uh, instincts and keep things feeling new and, and honest and like a little bit closer to the ground than on stage. Cause obviously the camera's right here as opposed to a crowd of a thousand, um, we can get away with a little bit more. I can't wait. Oh, my gosh. So, and I have to ask you, for, forgive me, how are you feeling? I know, I know you, you you spoke out earlier, I think it was last year, that, that you had, you know, had contracted COVID and you had gotten through it. So how, how are you feeling? Knock on wood, totally fine, thank goodness. Great, great, great. I, I, back in March, way at the beginning when we had very little information, um, and in New York, it was kind of spreading before we even had the chance to yeah. put a stop. So me and so many of my friends got it all at the same time. My boyfriend Noah and I had it together, which at least was nice to be able to go through at the same time. Hopefully we're headed towards the end of the tunnel um, in, in the near future. Please, yes, knock on all the wood. I'm hoping for that. Uh, last thing, because you're siblings, I just have to ask, be honest with me. Tell me something annoying about Courtney. And Courtney, tell me something annoying about Ben. <laughs> I don't have it. There's literally nothing. I'll, there's literally nothing. No, I, it only makes me think of good things like the fact that she'll always dance with me. Like if we're, we're at like, we're, if we're all hanging out like my whole family in our house um, like and, and I put on music at, and like, I, I think it's going to be music that like gets everybody going. It's like rain on me or it's like Gaga or <laughs> and like everyone is kind of like, eh. and then Courtney will really get down. with me. <laughs> I love it. Fine. Well, tell me something not annoying about Ben. I don't have anything. I really not I'm annoying. Tell me something not annoying about Ben. He's, he's waiting for it. I think to be clear, like the, I, I think obviously he had the ability to get involved with a, a gazillion organizations, but I think it speaks to what an amazing family member he is, what a philanthropic, generous, giving person he is um, to get involved in MS and Harmony. Um, and Honestly, one of the my favorite things, obviously, I said I think he's the most incredible uncle to my son. So that's a that's easy. That's an easy one. He's so cute, smart. <laughs> <laughs> uncle Ben, I'm just calling you Uncle Ben from now on because this makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, thank you so much for your time. Thank of course, you. so nice to talk to you. That was Ben and Courtney Platt. 
For more on them, head over to people.com. And before you go, something to make you smile. Being a high school student these days comes with endless pressure to get good grades and go to college. There's tests, papers to write, and the dreaded SAT. But Shania Robinson Owens, a 17-year-old senior from George Washington Carver High School in Philly, has not let any of that stop her. In fact, she added applying to scholarships to her to-do list, and it paid off in spades. Get this. She has been awarded over $1 million in scholarships from 18 different colleges. Just listen to her reaction. I like. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if I could cry, laugh. I didn't know what to do. She hasn't picked her school yet, but wherever she goes, well, I'm pretty sure she's going to be able to afford it, <laughs> and they'll be lucky to have her. That's all for today. Have a good one.